Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 2, powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide, and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. This week, we're going to do College Hockey Preview with Mike McMahon, the College Hockey Insider. So if you haven't read his Substack, it's awesome. He covers the entirety of college hockey, so it's a must-read for anybody in the hockey industry or fans out there. So even if you're working for an NHL team, you want to know what's going on in college hockey, follow Mike in his Substack, the College Hockey Insider. So, Mike, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And so we're going to have seven segments. We'll get through each conference. We'll talk about uh, players to watch. But right off the top, we have to talk about ECAC. I always go with the conference that won the national championship. So thank Quinnipiac for that. So in your estimation, you know, it's really early. Only a few of the ECAC teams have played some non-conference games. I think only three or four have already played one game. I think one game, one team played two. Um, thoughts on the overall conference? Because there's always some turnover, but you know, ECAC sometimes is underappreciated in some aspects of college hockey, but then they're so highly competitive too. And obviously, I'm not saying ju- just because Quinnipiac won, but they always have some really strong teams. So taking a look at what's coming down the pipe this year, can Quinnipiac repeat? Can they do a repeat this year? Can Rand drag them to the national championships again? I, I think so. A lot's going to depend on, on the goaltending situation because they've got to figure that out with Peretz gone to, to an NHL deal with Carolina. That's some big shoes to fill. One of the yeah. best boys in the country. But, you know, they brought back some key players. When you bring back Colin Graff, who had whatever he had, 55 points last year, whatever it was, and a lot of those key players that they did bring back, I think that's a good nucleus to start with for sure. Uh, and I like some of the transfers they brought in. You know, they're like everybody else. They're, they're at a point right now where uh, they've lost some guys. They've added some guys. I think they're trying to figure out what they are. Uh, but you, they brought back a, a big chunk of players that won a national title last year. So they're right in the conversation. I, I think, to me, they're the team to beat in the league, for sure. Yeah, just I look at it, I think, like, Quinnipiac has an identity, and they're going to play to that identity, and you as a player either conform or you don't, and you don't play. So it's that's just the way it is. And how can you say anything Otherwise, when you win a national championship and you've been that competitive for so long. So what about the other teams in the conference? Who do you think are sort of like the next in line to give a run at Quinnipiac? I think Cornell's right there. I mean, they're going to be, if not neck and neck with Quinnipiac, very close. I think they're the second best team in the league. And then after that, I think it's pretty wide open. It's kind of weird. I mean, usually it's it can be pretty well defined when we look at this preseason stuff, but Harvard, to me, is a giant mystery. Like, Harvard could be really good. Harvard's also going to be really young, and it could take them some time to get it moving a little bit. Uh, so they're, they're one that I think is a big question mark for me. Uh, and then, you know, there's other teams like St. Lawrence that brings back oh, almost everybody from their team last year that right. played well down the stretch. So, you know, they could be a team that, that rises up and makes some noise. Uh, I like the way Clarkson plays. I like the way they've played for a while. They remind me a lot of UMass Lowell. So they're a team that, again, if they put it all together – 
And they got good goaltending this weekend from Austin Roden, who's a transfer from Providence, split with Notre Dame, who should be one of the top teams in the country. They're a team that I think can make can can make some noise in the conference. Uh, and then I know I'm way higher on this team than than most people are, but I think that the 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 job that Josh Hogg's done at Union is making them look a lot like Clarkson looked. Uh, right. in the way that that team was built. And they were a team that had a, a lot of young players that contributed last year. So uh, th- those are the teams that I kind of view as being in that that next group. Uh, and, and it's a, a big mystery to where it's going to go. Because like I said, Harvard, on paper, from talent alone, Looks Harvard good. should be right there. Yeah, they should be right there with Cornell. But there's so much turnover. There's so many new faces. You're, there's you're, always a little young. bit of mystery on how that's yeah. going to go. Yeah, especially yeah. when you're dealing with younger players. Yeah, you got a lot of freshmen and sophomores on your team, and there's going to be some growing pains, particularly before Christmas. And then, how do you recover? If if there is some stumbles, how do you recover after that? Like talent can get you so far, but I think Quinnipiac showed it when you have an older team, um, a bigger team. I mean, older, not necessarily in terms of you know thinking of juniors and seniors, but isn't you know when your you know sophomore is already 21 years old, you know. And has played three years or four, three years of junior hockey, maybe in Canada or in the USHL. That's a huge difference between an eight-year-old kid coming out of prep school or high oh, school hockey. Night and day. Yeah, night and day, right? I mean, you're talking about, it's literally men against boys. It's literally, I mean, it's literally what it is. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a big adjustment. And you know, we'll talk about hockey East later on. They, they've got some younger guys in their league as well. Uh, but I, I look at just because they're so close together and I don't want to get too far ahead, but Harvard and Boston College, Harvard's got a lot of younger players that are, are going to have to kind of figure it out as they go. You've got other teams like a BC that's got a lot of younger players, but younger players that have played together. So I, I think that helps that transition. Harvard doesn't really have that. They've got a bunch of younger guys that came in from different places that not only need to acclimate themselves to the difference of college hockey and playing against guys who could be, you're playing Quinnipiac, you're playing St. Lawrence, you could be playing guys that are that are five, six years older than you if you're an 18-year-old freshman. Uh, they got to acclimate themselves to that that new level of hockey and also just playing with new players. You know, If you're a freshman coming into a team and you're playing with a group you've never played with before, that takes some time to, to, to build that chemistry. So I think you're right. I think they're going to be experiencing some of those growing pains, particularly early. So Yale, Princeton, are they going to once again be – near the bottom of this conference. They've had some challenges the last few years. And as much as I want to celebrate the hundredth year, you know, Princeton's arena, which is a meat, like a wonderful cathedral of history and hockey. It's a meat locker. It's the coldest place I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life. And I've been in the Northwest territories. Um, I love going there. I mean, I bundle up because otherwise you die and freeze to death. Um, <laughs> thoughts about that. Actually the celebration of being the hundredth year of that building being open, which is, monumental like i don't think th- i don't think that's ever going to be broken ever nothing lasts that long anymore no i mean there's really only two of them i, I can it's it's that and matthews arena are like the yeah. two cathedrals yeah uh, of college hockey and they sure. do love going and, to both of them they're great yeah and you know what's great hobie uh baker rings is a bucket list item for me i've never been there that's one of the few rings in the in the northeast that i haven't been to uh, so it's it's a bucket list item for sure because I want I want to I want to see it. I, just, I haven't had an opportunity to go there, uh, but yeah, like you said, I mean it's one of those buildings that it, it, it's it's you're not going to see that again because arenas now. I mean we've seen pro arenas that are getting replaced every every twenty years, right? Like we're just I don't think you're ever going to see something like like that a hundred year. I mean it's just it's 
those to me, like those are the fun buildings to go to too. You got to bundle up a little bit, it, it, but the atmosphere can be good, especially when their team's winning. Uh, that that should be a lot of fun. And then I know you, you brought up Yale too. Yale's a team that, uh, again, a, a historic rink, you know for sure. Uh, they're a team that, you know, you look at them on paper, and there's not a ton of skill there. Uh, at least there wasn't last year, but they play so hard. And, and it's why they won some games down the stretch. They got really good goaltending, and there were times in the second half especially, because they started really slow. Uh, I think at one point they had been shut out like three out of four games to start the year. But in the second half of the year, there were nights where they just flat out out-competed teams, and, and that's how they picked up their wins. And and now they were young too. So now you've got guys that are a little bit more experienced. They're a year older. They didn't lose a ton. Uh, I think they're a team that could start to, to make some moves in the league too just because they play so hard. If they play that way, they're going to find ways to win. Yeah, we didn't talk about Colgate or Dartmouth yet. Uh, thoughts on those two teams? They just seem to be every year. I think I've noticed for the last you know five or six years they're kind of always in the mushy middle. They're good, mm-hmm. but not good enough to like overtake you know the three te- you know three or four teams that always seem to be you know Quinnipiac seems to always be up there in that respect, and Clarkson seems to be up there, and Harvard seems to be those three teams always seem to be in that top four all the time. And then I always find that, you know, Colgate, Dartmouth kind of being that they're kind of like the mushy middle teams of of that conference. Yeah, Colgate had a you know a really good run at the end of the year last year. Yep. Had the coaching change now and and they returned some key players. You know, they lost some too in the transfer portal, but returned some key players. Carter Gallander, the goaltender, is is the biggest one for sure. I think they're gonna lean on him a lot. They're gonna lean on him more than they lean on him last year, too, especially with the new staff that comes in. There's different systems that are going to put in place. That's another team that I think could could have some early season struggles just because of that turnover, and it's difficult to, to manage that early on in the year. Uh, and then Dartmouth is, you know, I, I feel like they're getting better, but they're a team in particular where it felt like COVID just killed them. You know, when, when the Ivy Leagues canceled that season, yeah. they lost a lot of players. They had a coaching change. Uh, Reed, Ka- I think Reed Cashman's a really good coach, and I think he's going to be able. And I think he's got a really good staff there too. That's going to start, and you start to see it with some of the players you're recruiting. They're recruiting better players. It's going to take some time to get those guys in and get them involved and get them up to speed. Um, but they're a team that it feels like that that year off in the COVID year just it hurt them, and and, and it was a setback that was not just like one step. It was multiple steps because they lost some players in the portal. They lost some momentum in recruiting. Uh, that is where I, I feel like they were really hit hard, and, they, and they're still trying to recover from it. They're not the only one, but they're that I think has been the the biggest story with Dartmouth. I think they just they're they're still trying to climb out of that year where they lost the whole season, lost some players, some players that were key players too. Um, but I think that the staff has done a good job of getting them back on track, and it and it feels like now. Uh, they're the team in in the ECAC that might be ready to move out of that bottom layer and maybe into that middle tier. Uh, and you would expect, you know, at this point to start to see some of that movement happen. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. Stay tuned for our college hockey preview right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. 
Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back empowered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're continuing to talk to Mike McMahon, college hockey insider. Read his sub stack. So next conference we're going to talk about is Hockey East. Obviously, it gets a tremendous amount of attention nationwide. Uh, you know, there's some a lot of heavy recruiting coming out of, you know, the national program and getting a lot of high-priced, high, like, you know, high players of uh, skill and attention. Um, obviously, Macklin Celebrini going there, um, you know, certainly has garnered a lot of attention in that respect, and we'll talk about him in, later in the show. Thoughts about what this conference is going to look like? Because we always talk about BU and BC, lots of talent, but young. And there's other teams in Hockey East, you know, Mass, you know, uh, Northeastern, Providence, Mass Lowell that, you know, really compete hard and knock them out of there a lot because they've just changed how they recruited. So is that balance still in place where a lot of like young players, skilled players at BU and BC having to fight their way through more veteran, older players in other teams in the conference? It is. And if you look at the coaches poll in particular, uh, the coaches had BU number one, they had BC number two, they had Merrimack number three. And, and if, and we could, we'll talk about all those teams, but if you, if you draw a line there for a minute and say, well, one of these things is not like the other, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got BC and BU, a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores, and a lot of 18 year old freshmen, 19 year old sophomores, younger players, but super talented. First round picks, second round picks, all over the place. Uh, and then you got Merrimack, 
Not at all like that. Not at all built like that. They've got some drafted players, but they're more middle to late round picks. And you look at their roster and they're just super experienced. They've got guys that are back for their grad year. They've got you know, several 24, 25-year-old guys on that roster that were on a team that went to the national tournament last year and and was in overtime with Boston University in the hockey's championship game last year. So that to me is like that's probably the biggest story of the league when you look at the top half because you you do you've got VC and BU real young super talented. Then that next layer you've got Providence Northeastern Merrimack uh, those types of teams that are a lot older comparatively speaking. Uh, and it's going to be and, and obviously skilled to, to get to that point where they're in the top half of the league, but it's going to be that battle of the older veteran against the younger player. And can those 18 year olds, especially particularly at BC, because there's so many of them, uh, are those guys going to be able to acclimate to playing against older competition early enough in the year that it's, it's going to show in the standings and they will be one of those top two teams. BC had a great start over the weekend, beating Quinnipiac in overtime. That's, yeah. a, that's a huge test, right? A huge test, and they passed it. Uh, but you know, there's there's several more of those those tests along the way. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, it's one of the things that Merrimack kind of reminds me of a team that should be in the you know in the NC the NC right. Like they're just more of a grinding team. Like mm-hmm. they're just like they look like a team that should be in the old Adams division or in the old Norris division in, in the NHL back in the, back in the eighties, just big, strong up and down the wings, like plate heavy or hockey in that respect. You know, if I look at it from my perspective and I don't see it called chalky all the time, as much as I love the skill on some other teams, I'm leaning towards Merrimack. Like just a way of grinding them at the teams at the end of the year and then into the playoffs when that's one and done. And they're just like big, strong kids, men, in many yeah. cases, when you have 23 and 24 year olds on your roster. Yeah. And Providence is built the same way. And, and that's yeah. why I don't think it gets a surprise when Scott Borg, the head coach at Merrimack, where was he? You know, he was with UNH for a long time as an assistant, but where was his last stop before he got the head job at Merrimack? He was an assistant at Providence under Nate yeah. and saw how they built their teams. And it is, it's, it's kind of that perfect balancing act because they, they do go and get some younger players every once in a while. Uh, they're, they're top end guys. Like you look at their drafted guys, Alex Jeffries is a senior now, but he came in as an 18 year old freshman and Matt Capone is a junior now, but he came in as an 18 year old freshman, both of them right out of prep school. Uh, you don't see that happen very often, but I think, you know, they're in, in a situation where they have to take those players earlier than maybe other teams would so you don't run the risk of losing them if they were to go to the USHL and, and have a big yeah. year. Uh, but you complement that with the guys that came in when they were 20, and especially now with that fifth year. I mean, you look, they got a lot of fifth-year guys here using their their fifth-year COVID year that, that decided to come back. Uh, and it felt like with them, the Jeffries move happening first because the Islanders offered Alex Jeffries a contract. When he decided he was going to come back, that seemed to be the domino effect that yeah, prompted a lot of other guys to say, well, you know what, then, then I'm going to come back too and use my fifth year and get a grad degree. And, uh, you know, there, it, it is clashing styles in the way that BC and BU are built and the way that, you know, Providence, Northeastern to a certain extent, definitely UMass Lowell and Maryland. That's why I think it's and interesting. Then got, and then you got UConn, who's sort of a combo. Like UConn's yeah. kind of a funny team because they're kind of a combo of both. You know, Mike Cavanaugh has been able to go out and get those those star-studded younger players like a Matthew Wood 
And then they also sprinkle in some grad transfers and some older guys like UConn's kind of that team that's that's right down the middle uh, and, and, and across between those two philosophies. Yeah, I think it's interesting now that, I mean, obviously there's lots of kids that come out of USHL, but which ones go dip into Canada and which universities dip into Europe to supplement, to like augment against because they can't compete all the time against the BUs and BCs, right? Because they can recruit in a, they recruit in a different way. So, you know, how many of the, you know, assistant coaches go off to recruit out of Canada, out of the junior leagues, out of the BC league or Alberta junior league, or, you know, one of the Ontario junior junior leagues, or to get into Europe and find, you know, one or two of the European kids to come over. So I really find it interesting when the teams do that to compete against the younger skilled talent of the other teams. I think that's, you know, when you look at those, look, every New England kid, like every top New England kid, for the most part, is going to want to go to BC or BU or, or in, you know, within the last 10 years, Northeastern. Northeastern really wasn't in that conversation, but they are now. They yeah. put themselves here because most of those kids want to play on the Beanpot. So yeah, uh, it's it's harder for those other New England schools to get those top New England kids. They do sometimes, but it's harder. So I think you're right. I think that's when you've seen teams go to the Midwest sometimes. Uh, not so much Minnesota because it's hard to get Minnesota kids out of out of the state of Minnesota. But every once in a while, you'll you'll grab a kid or two. Uh, but definitely in some of those other markets, not only Canada, but some of those other Midwestern markets, Chicago area, St. Louis right. area, uh, even like California, Arizona, too, to a certain extent now, uh, are you, you've seen these other markets that are where the, the youth hockey game is expanding. And that's where some of those teams have gone. And a lot of them still go to the BCHL. Uh, BCHL in particular, it seems like in hockey East is where most of the schools go uh, to get, to get the kids out of Canada, but also uh, the Alberta league too. I mean, there's still plenty of recruits that are being committed out of the Alberta league that are going to hockey schools as well. Well, I mean, you got to be able to supplement and a lot of it particular because the BC kids will play till they're 19 or 20. So then you're getting a freshman who's a 19 or mostly in many cases, a 20 year old. Well, if you played three years in the BC league, Alberta league, you are hardened. You got some leather on you. You have no choice, right? Because they play with a lot of 20s in the, in those lineups. So I think that makes up for it too, which is, it's something I had a conversation actually with, with Rand Packnold at the World Juniors about all the different teams and their recruiting, you know, strategies, which is why I think Hockey East more than any of the conferences is the most fascinating because you have such divergent strategies, right? And it seems to be, the other one, other you know, te- other universities are just competing against. Okay, well, we can't compete and get the kids out of the program that BU and BC can. So, how do we how do we destroy them? How do we beat them? You know, and it has to yeah. be. It's almost like a Quinnipiac model. They show you know ran, they show, ran kind of showed. Oh, hey man, this is the only way we're going to get through. Like we can't beat the Minnesotas and you know the Michigans and the BUs and the BCs consistently. You know, and all these like top top recruiting teams unless we get in some older, bigger guys that can skate from all these other leagues. I mean, you look at it, right? The August 1st uh, deadline now, or the beginning of recruiting for for the, the next year's class, right? Starts August 1st. And when those guys re- all commit, for the most part, you know, the, that first week of August, where are they going? They're going, you, you see BC, BU, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota. You'll see a, a few Harvards here and there, uh, but it's really just a handful of schools that are getting all those top players that are going to the development program as, as 17 year olds and those top high school juniors that are all committing 
August, that, that week of August for North Dakota too, Denver, but like, there's only, it's only really a handful of schools that you see those kids go to for the, every once in a while, there'll be a curveball, but it's really centralized into like 10 or 11, 12 schools. So everyone else has to do something. And, and it, you know, it goes all the way back to like 10 years ago now, but that's how UMass Lowell did it. Yeah. When they were going to the frozen four in 2013, like they're, they weren't loaded with stars that they recruited as 16 year olds. Like Carter Hellebuck, no one knew who Carter Hellebuck was before he ended up going to UMass Lowell. And now he, you know, is one of the top goaltenders in the NHL, but it, that's what they did. They went out and recruited older players that were a little more hardened could, could for lack of a better term, beat up on those younger kids a little bit. They're a lot heavier. They're a lot harder to play against. And for those 18 year olds that come in, they're coming in having really only ever played against other 18 year olds or kids their own age. Now you're playing against a 24 year old. That's a, it's a, it's a huge difference. Yeah, hundred percent. We'll take a short break on hockey prospect radio. We'll continue with our college hockey preview right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together they're undeniable. Introducing huddle instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting. Through an integrated series of best business practices, they design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations and solutions as well. So we're continuing to talk about college hockey with Mike McMahon, College Hockey Insider. Please read his Substack. It's a must read for anybody wanting to know about college hockey. As we continue on with our preview, let's talk about the Big Ten 
although they're not 10 teams there, which is confusing to some people who don't realize that. Um, in terms of, you know, there's a lot of players that moved on out of some of the teams, but then more recruits came flooding in, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, you know, Notre Dame, they would have a big flood. Wisconsin went through some changes, obviously, with their with their coaching staff. So from an overall perspective, who do you think at the end of the end of the year, what are the three teams that you really look at and go, okay, they're going to find their way out of this conference and then into the playoffs? More than any other year, the Big Ten to me this year feels as wide open as it's ever been. Because I think you can look at all of these schools and say they should be good, but there's some questions, right? And I'll start with Michigan. Michigan should be good. Michigan should be one of those teams. They've got to figure out their goaltending situation. Uh, so I was going to point to, yeah. It didn't look good this weekend, you know? So they've got to figure that out. And, and I think they will, but you've got a bunch of guys that, you know, Noah West has never really had an opportunity to do it. He just he hasn't, he hasn't played a lot. Uh, they bring in a transfer from Canisius who played really well at Canisius, but again, you're taking a step up going into the Big Ten coming from Atlanta Cocky. So is is that going to be able to translate? You just it, There's a lot of questions there, and they still need to figure that out. But they should be there because everywhere else, they're really talented on paper, right? Uh, I think Minnesota should be there. And again, same thing. They, there's always some questions. How are they going to replace the offensive production of a guy like Matthew Nyes? How are they going to replace what Brock Faber brought on the back end? But Minnesota is still a team that when you look at, at who they have, they still have the goaltender. They're still really deep. They should be, they should still be, in my opinion, should should probably still be the top team in that league at the end of the year. I think as much as they do have some questions, as all these teams do, they may have the least amount, uh, but they still, they, they need some other guys to kind of emerge, particularly to replace Nyes and to replace Faber. Uh, they're the second Faber's team. Faber's a huge one. I mean, I think yeah. he was the best defensive defenseman in college hockey last year. Like, he was a shutdown yeah. machine. So, I think that's going to be tremendously challenging because he's a coach's, like, warm blanket. Because when everything yeah. starts to fall apart, you just chuck Faber out there and he just calms everything down. And it's so hard yep. to replace a guy like that. You have to replace him by committee in some cases. You, you can't you really force somebody else to take that role because he's he's a rarity in, in that case you see lots of great offensive defensemen in college hockey but a guy who isn't a big banger and just takes away everything for an offensive player yeah and they've got some guys that i think can take little pieces of that right like i think ryan chesley can take a little piece right. of it i think luke middlestat can take a piece of it um it's going to be harder for sam renzel to do it because he's a freshman but you know i think those two guys because they're returners could take little pieces of that. And then another one that we don't really talk about him a ton, again, because there was so much talent on that Minnesota team, I think Mike Coster can, can take a little bit of it too. Uh, right. But it is. I think it's going to be committee, right? And I think it helps where – because Justin Close has been so good for them, and he's got back as a grad student. Like, that's going to be really the big one. I think he's going to be the one that can – can help settle everybody down too, just because of the fact that he's been so good, but it's going to, it's going to be by committee for sure. And then, so those are the first two. Uh, I, I think those two should still be up there. And then honestly, that third team could be any of, them. you know, I, I think it could be Michigan state who are going to rely on a lot of younger players, even at goaltender, but man, they should be a good team. And this right. might on, be the best yeah, team on paper. Had. Yeah. In a long time. In, in a long time. Right. They, I wouldn't be surprised if they were the third team. I wouldn't be surprised if, Notre Dame was that third team when you look at what they have on paper. Ohio State and Penn State, uh, you know, they were in the mix last year, and it feels like they're they're going to be kind of the same as they were a year ago. 
And then we have, you know, who knows what Wisconsin's going to look like, but they should be improved. They're, they're going to be better than they were last year. That's for sure. Well, I mean, so they're going to have a feels, bird under their saddle for sure. Yeah. So, you know, it feels like that, that third could, could be any of them, which uh, makes it feel as wide open as that league's ever been. And it always usually is because the big 10 teams, like we talked about, they, they get so many of those top recruits. They're always, they're always right there, right? They're always right up there nationally. When we talk about the pairwise and stuff, those big 10 schools are, are always in that mix. And it feels like this is a year where, you know, for a while it was six out of the seven because Wisconsin had always struggled. This year feels like it could be all seven of them. They, they could be in the mix and in the hunt for a, an NCAA tournament spot. Then out of like, we'll take away, obviously, you know, Michigan and Minnesota of the rest of the teams, who has the best goaltending in your, your opinion? Like what team has the best goaltending that can help them make a run? Because I got to be at least try to be third or push into that top two, and then try to get into the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I, I would say probably Notre Dame. You know, I think yeah. it's probably Ryan Bischel, um, just because he he's kind of had the the most track record there. Uh, he's back as a grad student. He played extremely well last year. Uh, I think he was he pretty much played every minute for them last year and on like a nine thirty save percentage. So, Bischel feels like he's probably the guy. Only because we don't know what Trey Augustine is going to look like at Michigan State. He looked really good over the weekend, and he right. could be one of these guys that comes in and, and is a standout. Because for whatever reason, it feels like the goaltenders have the easiest transition. And it, it just it, as far as their their numbers in junior translating as a freshman. Right. Uh, I mean, I how much of that, that is? But. That's. T- I mean, I think Trey Augustine might be a little bit different situation only because he comes from the program. And he gets yeah. insulated by that. So he doesn't face a lot of rubber and he has to really super, super focus because he's playing on an all-star team in the program. So, you know, all of a sudden, if you're on a team that's going to like give up a lot of shots, then that's a big adjustment in terms of what you did before. Yeah. And I'd have to look back into and see what his numbers were in these games. But what I always like to do, and I haven't done it with him yet, is whether it's, it's players or it's uh, a goaltender, look at what they did in those exhibition games they played last year against NCAA schools. Yeah. Because you can make the argument, those program kids come in and they're kind of sophomores, right? Like they they kind of played their freshman because sometimes they'll play. And I don't know what their schedule was last year. I'd have to go back and look. He may have played 20 games against NCAA programs last year. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and what were, were, yeah. What were his numbers in those games? And and that is kind of their freshman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And against who exactly. So uh, I think that makes that transition a, a little bit easier because he, he there's no there's no mystery on what to expect. He's played in a lot of these buildings. He's played against a lot of these teams. He kind of knows what to expect, but it is going to be an adjustment. Like you said, it's going to be playing on a different type of team. Uh, the systems are different. He may see more rubber than he saw a year ago. Uh, so I think he's got the potential to, to be that guy. But if, if I were to put my money on somebody, I would I'd put it on Bishop just because the track record's there. Uh, Wisconsin, what kind of bounce back year do you think they could have? Because there's going to be a burr under their saddle. They got a new head coach, and they're out for redemption. They're out, yeah. They're out to prove some stuff too. Uh, yeah, you know, right. They, they, they. There was a lot of talent on that team before Mike Hastings got there, and I think sometimes we forget about that. Uh, it's just they were never able to get it all put together for whatever reason, and. I think he's a guy, I think that staff is going to be able to bring it together, especially considering 
the, the, the talented younger players that they already had, he went out and complimented with guys out of the portal, some of them from Minnesota State, right. uh, that, sh- that should be able to bring that Minnesota State culture to Wisconsin. And they're not going to play the same way as, as Mankato. They're not going to have to. They're, they're, they're going to have more talented players, skilled players. So they aren't going to have to play the same way as far as uh, as playing as defensive as that Minnesota, Minnesota State was very defensive orientated oriented, and then it was capitalizing on mistakes, attack and transition out of turnovers in the neutral zone. They can play; they could be a little more creative at Wisconsin because they've got better players uh, in in terms of like that that top end right. offensive talent. So yeah. I, I think what they're trying to do between the coaching staff going there and and taking the guys that they took from Mankato in the portal was as much about taking good players as it was bringing some of that winning culture with them to Wisconsin to help that room feel a little yeah, different. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, and, and I think they're going to lean, even though they're new players, I think they're going to lean on those guys to, to bring some of that, you know? 100%. We'll take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We come back. We have one more segment before we get into Hour 2 right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back on Hockey Prospect Radio, brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting through an integrated series of best business practices. They design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. Continuing to talk to Mike McMahon, 
College Hockey Insider. Please read his Substack for up-to-date college hockey news. Uh, we're going to continue with our college hockey preview. We're going to go into the NCHC, which I think is like the conference of like black and blue. They just play old school 80s NHL hockey, like the old Norris division. So I love it. Um, anytime I talk to Dave Starman, we both like we're salivating in the same way, just up and down the wing and banging and crashing just some ugly stuff. So out of that group, you know, you got Denver, Minnesota, Duluth, North Dakota, who always gets really great recruits, uh, St. Cloud, Western Michigan, uh, Miami may be the team that's going to have some difficulties. Colorado college. I think is going to be better, uh, thoughts on this conference overall and, Who's he think is going to be like kind of like the top three teams that get out of that that street fight that get into you know really are going to be going into the playoffs? Yeah, it's uh, it, it is a dog fight every single night in that league. Uh, I I still think Denver Denver's a top team. You know when I look at it, I, I think I know they lost some guys. They're another team that's got to figure out their goaltending situation because Magnus Corona moved on, but. Uh, they they should still be right near the top. They're always one of the better teams. They've been one of the better teams nationally for the last few years. They should be right there. Uh, North Dakota is improved from where they were last year. Uh, I think, you know, they're right back to where people expect North Dakota to be. So I, I think it starts right there. Uh, and then there's, a again, kind of like with the Big Ten, who's that third team? I think it could be a few. I, I think it could be Minnesota Duluth, who – if you look at it and you look at all sort of like the real in-depth analytical data about expected it's, goals and expected wins. It's hard to bet against the, that. Yeah, yeah. Coaching staff. And, it's hard to bet against and they that were coaching one staff. Of the unluckiest teams in the country last year. Like yeah. I, there were so many times where I would, them in Providence where I would watch their games and go, how are they losing this game? Like they, they, they would outplay opponents and just for whatever reason, they'd be down three, two in the scoreboard, despite the fact that they're outplaying their opponent and, and out shooting them two to one. Uh, so they're right there. Uh, I, I think, you know, Western Michigan has kind of solidified itself in that second tier. Tier, They're right there. Uh, I think Colorado College is a team on the rise. They went to the NCHC final last year. Caden uh, Embarenko is one of the top goalies in that league, for sure, if not one of the top goalies in the country. I think their roster is getting better, too. That's another one where I really like their staff and, and what they're, they've put together and, and what they've started to build there. And, and you're, you've seen their roster getting better. I think they're going to be a lot more competitive throughout the course of the whole year in that league. They're really competitive down the stretch, obviously, going to the finals and and pushing it really right up to the end there with St. Cloud. Uh, and then, you know, there's, there's other teams that should be right there in that mix. Like Omaha should kind of be in that mix. I think St. Cloud could be in that mix, although uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, I think St. Cloud is is – comparatively speaking to other years is going to be a little bit behind where they were. They're still going to be a top 20 team in the country, but you know, I, I think they're, they're probably not a top 10 team, which they had been there for a while. Uh, but it's just, it's just because these things are cyclical. I'm, I'm sure yeah. they'll end up back there at some point, uh, you know, but Colorado college is a team that I think could surprise some people in, in the NCHE this year, especially because of the goaltender. Um, St. Cloud and Omaha in terms of, you know, what their potential is there. Is that another team? Are those two universities they look at and may have to sort of alter a little bit how they recruit in terms to having to fight against, you know, the Denver's who always get a lot of some really top end players. And so obviously so does North Dakota um, and Minnesota Duluth gets recruits because 
they're successful and they've been successful for a long time. So do they have to do a little bit more of what maybe Quinnipiac and Providence are doing in terms of how they recruit? Yeah, I, I think it's exactly on the same line, right? It's not it's not as regional as like what what a Providence or right. has Quinnipiac. To I mean, Quinnipiac's not in Hockey East, but they're still in that New England region. Uh, UMass Lowell, it, it, it's not exactly the same because in, in New England, it's a lot more regionalized. But yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why you've seen you know, Western Michigan and Omaha, but especially Western Michigan has been really effective in the portal with the players they've gone in and try to get those, those transfers that uh, have, have gone to some of those schools and maybe it didn't work out. And now they get second life at a place like Western Michigan, because they're still good players and yeah. Pat first while on that staff, bring the most out of them. That's the thing that I think Western in, in Omaha too, uh, has done a really good job of is, is capitalizing on that type of player in the portal. Because everyone with the transfer portal, everyone I was always worried about, well, those smaller schools are going to lose their top players to the bigger schools in the portal, which can happen. Yeah, Tyson but you're Dick also getting Wisconsin. Yeah, but you're going to get those players that are on a stacked team. Somebody plays on a yep. third line, really should be playing on a second line. And as if they're a senior, exactly. should be playing on a top line, but not going to get it because all of a sudden these kids from the program are coming in to take away ice time. So I'm going to go play someplace else. Right. Or and you, that's what I've been saying. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's one of those deals where Michigan, BU, BC, Minnesota, all these teams, they can bring in as many top six forwards as they want. Only six of them are playing. Yeah. And there's only <laughs> in one pocket. In those roles. Yeah. You know, and there's, and only, there's only two power play units, right? Like, there's so. only so many spots in the power play. So, so you can bring in all those guys as freshmen, but at some point in their career, if they're not in that group, they're going to look to go to the portal. And just because they're not in that group at, at Michigan doesn't mean they wouldn't be really effective in that group at a place like Western Michigan. And yeah. that's where I think some of those schools, in particular Western and Omaha, have done a good job of identifying some of those players out of the portal and getting them into their program. Because they and, can and say, they've been really effective. you're a top-line player on my team, and you're going to get first-line power play time. You play yeah. the way you yeah. play, this is where you're going to be. It's like, so you, the opportunity is there. And, and there's not a big gap. I think when you look at the players that are on those 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 BCBUs, Michigan's, Minnesota's, there's not a big gap between that second and third line. No, so if there, you're on there's the third almost line none. Michigan and, no, and you're not happy with that playing time and you become a top six player at Western, it's not like you're getting a, a second tier player. You're just, it's just, it's, it's the math of it. It's the mathematics of it. There's only so many spots on, on a team, right? So uh, sometimes it's not even that much of a drop off. And if at all, so you're getting that. You might not get that player as a freshman because he's going to go to Michigan if he's recruited by Michigan. Uh, but, you know, Western Michigan is a team that can get a second crack at that kid when he goes into the portal because he's played two years at Michigan and he might not be getting the playing time that he thought he was going to get. Other teams in this conference, who do you think has, like, the best goaltending overall that, that could carry a team into the playoffs and through the playoffs? I, I think it's Colorado College. I do. Yeah. I think Embarenko's breaks. I think he's the best goal in the league. Uh, I I I think Ludwig Person, who transferred from Miami right. to North Dakota, can can be. He was excellent as a freshman. Uh, wasn't very good as a sophomore in his junior year. Now that could be. There's a lot of things that could go into that. Obviously, you know their their team wasn't doing very well, so there's a lot of components there. Um, but I I've been very impressed with Embarenko since he since he was a freshman. So I, I think he's uh I, I think he's the top of that list right now. Yeah, I look at that conference and. Yeah, I agree. It's hard not to have Denver at number one. Um, it's hard for me to not have, not to go 
I guess it's like an old bias and standby to go like Denver, North Dakota, and Minnesota Duluth, right? Because it's hard to bet against that coaching staff and what they do at Minnesota Duluth, but you can't discount the other teams. Like, I don't know what it is, but I kind of have a, a soft spot for that Western Michigan team. You know what I mean? Like they come to play. So from that standpoint, which I think that's why I think this conference is one of my favorites in terms of just the way, the style of, and how gritty this conference is. Uh, but we're going to take a break on hockey prospect radio uh, in hour two. We'll continue to talk about college hockey preview with Mike McMahon college hockey insider so stay tuned for that and we'll be back right after these important messages every play every stat every breakdown on their own they're essential but all together they're undeniable introducing huddle instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hour 2 and powered by Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. I'm continuing to speak with Mike McMahon for a college hockey preview. He's a college hockey insider. Read his Substack; It's great stuff. So, Mike, let's talk about the CCHA and what's going to happen in this conference. I find it interesting because this is a conference, although, I don't know, maybe it's because they don't have the, the universities that have great buzz, but they're dangerous teams. 
all of them. I remember like one of my favorites is, is Minnesota State, right? One, I like their jersey and their colors, but two, yeah. they seem to have like these big, heavier, grindy kind of teams. So I just I don't discount what they do, particularly when you get into the playoffs, when it's a one and done situation. Sure, maybe you know in the in the regular season they get a little dismissed, but when it's a one and done, those are the teams that can come up and bite you in the ass. They are, and they've got a few teams like that in this league. You know, I think Minnesota State, even though they've had the coaching change and they've had some turnover, with they're still going to play. I, I think a lot of the same way because yeah. there's an identity there. Northern uh, Michigan, would, Northern Michigan's like that too. Michigan Tech is like that too. Yeah, Michigan Tech to to me is one of those sleeper teams nationally because yeah. of who they brought back, particularly Blake Pietro, the goaltender who for my money might be the best goaltender in the country. Uh, and his, and his brother's <laughs> brother could put up some points uh, as well. So that Michigan tech team has probably the most talent in the league at all those different positions. Uh, they're also bringing the kid Austin Swankler from Bowling Green. He's not eligible right. in the second half, but they bring him out of the portal. That's a team that, has that combination of some skill. They also play kind of similar to the way that they just play really hard. They play like an NCHC team, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that Michigan tech team, I think is one of those sleeper teams nationally for me, where not only should they be the top team in the CCHA, they're a team that I think can make some noise nationally. And if they go on a run at the right time, like if it starts, you never know, like this stuff has to come together. Right. But if yeah. they go on a run at the right time, they could be a team that we see goes through regionals and, and, you know, is on one of those runs where they go to the frozen four, because I think they have the goaltender and they have the talent. They play a style that could make them one of those teams. I find when I've seen them play as, you know, obviously we're taking a lot of stuff from last year, but they seem to be opportunistic in terms of their goal scoring, right? It's, you know, the, all their guys, funnel to the net they're like second chance rebound team right and then they collapse really well in front of their goaltender it's kind of like if we're in our defensive zone we've like they control the house and then they have the goaltending right and that's to me is in college hockey to me goaltending is everything if you got a great goaltender you can like you can make a long run and be super dangerous yeah and if you want to talk about experience i mean blake piedel has been a starter sure. there for Three, I mean, this will be his fourth year as a starter. You know, he's played almost every minute the last three years for that team and has save percentages of 934, 918, and 924 in those three years. So he's a going to be 24 year old goaltender by the time the season ends. He's been really good with a ton of experience. Like that, that's a guy that is not going to be phased going into a big game. Uh, and look what he did over the weekend. I mean, they played Minnesota Duluth in the Hockey Hall of Fame, U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame yeah. in, in this week and open the year. Made 48 saves. A, a, a game where the team didn't really play particularly well. They gave up 50 shots on goal. He made 48 saves. They still get out of there with a 2-2 tie. He's that type of, of game changer where even on nights, if, if the team doesn't play well, and I don't think there's going to be a lot of nights where their team doesn't play well, but on those nights where they don't play well, they got a goaltender that can bail them out. And, and there's not a lot of teams that have that. There's a lot of teams that have good goaltenders. There's not a lot of teams that have a goaltender who can completely bail you out and get you points on a night where you just don't play very well. Thoughts on some of the other teams in the conference? Well, you know, look at St. Thomas. Uh, let's look at Lake Superior, Ferris State, Bowling Green, Bemidji State, Og, 
you know, because I know there's some NHL guys out, you know, the, you know, executives and broadcasters that are Bowling Green alumni, and they're always wondering how good Bowling Green's going to be. So talk about some of those other teams in this conference. Uh, Bowling Green, I think, is going to be – it's going to be a weird year for the – I, I, there's so much mystery with that program right now that we still don't know. You know, they had the situation with the, the hazing uh, investigation right. that was open. Austin Swankler makes, uh, well, he came out and said he was the one that filed the complaint. He ends up transferring to Michigan Tech as part of that. Uh, and now there's an investigation ongoing. And, and the troubling part is the school still hasn't said anything. So all we right. know right now is Ty Eigner, the head coach, is is on leave. Uh, Curtis Carr has been the, the interim head coach while, that's, while he's been away. Three players have been suspended. They haven't named who those players are. We can kind of deduce who it is by looking at who played and who didn't play over yeah. the weekend. But there were the three players who are out of the lineup, so we can't say for sure. But until we kind of know what the situation is there, it's hard to say what type of year they're going to have. I think they've got a really good goaltender. Uh, I think Christian Stover is going to be able to keep them in games. They, they did lose some scoring. I thought, you know, back in the summer that, that Swankler was going to be fine in, in filling that void. Now he's gone too. So you look at that and go, where, where, where are some of those goals going to come from? Uh, so they're a team that could go really in either direction. It, it wouldn't surprise me if in a situation like this, as we've seen with teams, it can cause guys to to band together. And and now all of a sudden you've got a, a much closer group and a much closer room, and your team has a lot of success because of that. We, it could also be a situation where it kind of rips things apart and your team goes in the other direction. We just don't – we don't know what's going to happen here. I think it's going to be interesting to follow over the course of the year. Uh, St. Thomas, a team you brought up, I think that this team is really good. Uh, they're still not even eligible to make the NCAA tournament yet. They're not going to be for a couple of years because of those reclassification rules. Right. You have to be four, four years as a D1 before you can even qualify for the playoffs. Uh, but this is the same. Which Thomas I don't like. That, I'm just saying that up front. Oh, it's a dumb rule. Yeah, it's yeah. such a dumb rule. Uh, but they rely. You look at their their numbers last year. It, it was almost exclusively freshmen on who they relied on, yeah. and they played well down the stretch. Like they were just about a 500 team down the stretch, just below a 500 team. And now they come in here and look at what they did over the weekend. They split with St. Cloud and almost beat them in the second. Almost almost swept St. Cloud over the weekend. Uh, one you know a really good NCHC team. They. That, to me, is an indicator that, hey, this team is ready to make a move. It's not going to be a move that they can do anything with in the playoffs, nationally speaking, anyway. Uh, but there's no surprise that St. Thomas is going to be a strong program. They're right in Minneapolis. Uh, you know, they're they're right in kind of the heart of, of, of hockey country in the state of Minnesota. Their facilities are going to get better. They're building a new rink, I believe. So there's a lot of reason to be excited, and they're not going to have – you know, they're not short for options on players being in, you know, right in the Twin Cities. So uh, they're a team that I think could make a, a significant move this year as well. What about uh, Ferris State? We haven't had a chance to talk about what you think, or Bemidji for that matter, both those teams. Yeah. Yeah. Bemidji, you know, they're, they're kind of similar. I think Bemidji's going to be a team that's a little more experienced. So uh, at least early in the year, they should have a better goal. But Ferris State, they'll look good over the weekend. They played Miami and, uh, Came back. Well, they, they lost the second game, but in that first game, they were down, I think, four to one in the third period, scored three goals, came back, won the game in overtime. Overtime, five. yeah. So it, it shows you that there's a little bit of fight in that Ferris State team. And they're, they're also a team that's, that's older. You know, they went out and, and grabbed a couple of grad transfers out of the transfer portal. So they're a team that has a, a lot of experience on their side as well. I think that's going to that's gonna bode well for them, especially in a league like the CCHA where the guys tend to be the, – the, the teams tend to be a little bit older, uh, even in the way that they recruit. So uh, that should make them competitive. It made them competitive last year, and Bemidji's kind of built in the same way. Right. 
Uh, who do we miss? We got one more. Oh, Augustena. So what's Aug going to do? Yeah, I mean, they're they're another one where I think they should be a team, kind of like St. Thomas, who should be really good pretty quickly yeah. because they've got they've got the building. Yeah, they've got a ton of money behind it. Like they got they they you look at the building they're building they're building like an eighty million dollar facility. It's it's state of the art. So uh, they've got a lot of money behind them, which is is number one. That that's going to bode well for them. Uh, I think that's why the CCHA took them right away. Right. Really, I mean, as soon as they announced the CCHA was like, "Hey, you're in," you know, because they they know what type of program they're going to be. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have, I, I think, some struggles early on because they're they're brand new. They took some guys out of the portal, but they're going to be very freshman heavy, so they're going to have some struggles on a, on a night to night basis. But I think overall, you know, they're a team that when they're they're ready to to be full members of the CCHA in two years because they're kind of half members this year and next year. When they're full members in two years and, and things really start to get going, they're a team that I think can be pretty competitive pretty quickly just because of what the, the resources they have behind them. Well, that matters when it comes to recruiting, of course. So we're yeah. going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We'll be back with more college hockey preview with Mike McMahon right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back on Hockey Prospect Radio, Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to another level at juniorprospecthockeyleague.com. 
speak with Mike McMahon, College Hockey Insider, read his substack for all the college hockey news out there. So now we're going to talk about Atlantic Hockey uh, Conference. I have no idea who's coming out of this conference. None. Like it's just, they seem, there seems to be a little bit of turnover. And then it really figured like, it's just, there's some, a lot of unknowns for me in that, um, you know, from your perspective, who's coming out, like who are the top three teams? Cause I'm going to be solely relying upon you. Yeah, no, I, I think there's, uh, to me, I think the top three in this conference are probably more clear than, than some other conferences. I think, you know, I don't know what that one through three order is going to be, but I do think that uh, AIC, who's you know been up there for the right. last couple of years, RIT and and Holy Cross are are in that group. I think Sacred Heart could get themselves in that group. that group. So, you know, to me, like those are the top four. There's a bunch of other schools that can make some noise and compete, but I think those four are are very clearly the top four. It's just a matter of what order are they going to finish it? RIT was the top in the league last year. But they didn't win the tournament. They didn't win their yeah. their their playoff tournament. Didn't go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, that was Canisius. Now I think Holy Cross has gotten a lot better. Bill Riga, who they hired from Quinnipiac, former Quinnipiac assistant, has gone and really turned that program around and, and gotten them to the point where they're one of the top schools, uh, top programs in Atlantic hockey. AIC has always been there, and I think will continue to be. Uh, and Sacred Heart, Sacred Heart's another school. You know, you want to talk about schools Sneaky. that use the portal really well. Yeah, they've used the portal very well. I mean, they went out and got Chase Clark, a goaltender. From Quinnipiac, who was behind Peretz last year. I think he's a Washington Capitals pick. Uh, they went out and got, if you look at their roster, has got a lot of Hockey East and ECAC uh, transfers on their roster. So yeah, and we talked about that. Team, like, like, Yeah, those fifth yep, to sixth defensemen, yep. those third liners who really could play up. Well, let's go play here. Because you're going to finish and, your degree and, and, anyway. Yeah, and I'm just looking here. They, they've got... Mikey Adams and on their defense. Mikey Adams is a UMass transfer. Uh, Blake Daniels is an Arizona State transfer. You've got uh, Tyler Spott is a Northeastern transfer. Garrett Sunquist is a Providence transfer. That's just on D. <laughs> That's yeah. just on D. Their their goaltender is Chase Clark. He's a Quinnipiac transfer. They've got uh they've got an Ohio State transfer in their forward group. They've got an uh Liam Isaac who played at BC as a transfer. He's in their forward group. TJ Walsh who played at Northeastern and RPI in their forward group as a transfer. So they they've done a really good job of identifying those players who can, especially can come into their league and be top players. Can be yeah. really, can really be top players. And it doesn't hurt either that they just opened that brand new building. We talked about Agustana and right. the money behind them and their facilities. Second Heart just opened a $70 million arena on their campus last year that is state-of-the-art. So and that's a nice recruiting get, tool. Oh, my God, yeah. And it's a really good school. Like, academically, it's a really good school. It's yeah. a beautiful area in Connecticut. They're a team that should get themselves to that point where they're one of the top schools in that league every year because the facilities and, and the, the campus and everything else is going to make it that way. And I think that they've been smart in targeting those hockey East and ECAC transfers that, like you said, might have been – fifth, sixth, seventh defenseman on a, on a good hockey East school, but can come to Sacred Heart and be a top four defenseman. And that is good enough to make them one of the top teams in that league. See, that's one of the things when I'm in the BC Hockey League or Alberta Junior Hockey League or Ontario Junior A, I have I don't see as many Atlantic hockey assistant coaches or coaches out there recruiting. And I that's this is where the, that conference could really make some hay is sneaking up and like taking some Canadians that are up there. Cause a lot of the Canadians don't know anything about sacred heart, right? They don't, yeah. 
they don't, they always hear about the hockey East teams or, you know, the Michigans and Minnesotas and, you know, some of the CCHAs, but they don't know that much about Atlantic hockey. And that's where, you know, a lot of more publicity and getting out there and recruiting, like this could be a sneaky conference in five years. You could look back and go, you know, the portal opened and they utilized that, but then, you know, recruiting in some different ways, going to get some Canadians, going to get some Europeans. This is where, you know, conferences that start off slow, all of a sudden, you know, that's when they used to talk about ECAC like that. Occasionally you would get some good teams, but in the last decade, 15, 12 years, ECAC has been a tough conference to beat in the playoffs. So I think Atlanta could do the same thing. They could. And, and that league is at a lot of teams that have put a lot of money in their programs over the last couple of years too. Yeah. Whether it's hiring new coaches or building new facilities, like there's been an added investment from the, the teams in that league, which makes a big difference. Uh, and then I think you're right. I think it's a reason why AIC made the jump that they made is you look at the international players that they brought in. I mean, they they did go outside the box in recruiting. There was a joke among, among coaches that I talked to on a regular basis. There was a joke at one point that, you know, AIC was recruiting international players by telling them they, they, they could only go to AIC because they're American International College. It's the only college they were eligible to go to, and that's how they got all those international That's hilarious. Because there was a lot of them. You know, they had a lot of Swedish players and Finnish players. Like, they, there was a joke for a while. Like, geez, what are they telling these kids they can only go to AIC? They're not eligible to play anywhere else. Uh, but that's what they did, and, and and it made them better right away. I mean, and it's you got to find ways to to think outside the box, and that's what Eric Lang did when he got to AIC, and it paid off. I mean, they've been one of the top teams in that league for the last you know handful of years. Thoughts about? I mean, I've been to Holy Cross's campus. That's another nice campus too. Thought about some other teams like Robert Morris, uh, Niagara, um, Bentley. You know, thoughts about, you know, Air Force and Army, of course. Um, thoughts about who could probably try to, like, knock on the door against those top three teams that we, we discussed. I think Canisius is one of them. You yeah. Know, I, th- I think Canisius is one of them. They're a team that, again, you look at what they did in the playoffs last year. They go on that run. They win the, the, the league tournament. They end up going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Trevor Large, their head coach, ends up getting rewarded with a, a contract extension because of that. Uh, and, and they played really well down the stretch. Like that's a really good team. And they've added some guys that, uh, again, out of the portal that people I think have forgotten about, you know, one of them is Griffin Lauren, who was at Northern Michigan. He was a guy that was at Northern Michigan was one of the top players in the CCHA, his freshman and sophomore year, and then transfers to Michigan state goes to the bigger school and kind of gets trapped down the bottom of the depth chart. Didn't really have the offensive numbers he had when he was at Northern uh, then he transfers to Canisius. I think he's from Buffalo too. So yeah. he's a local kid comparatively to their program. And he's a guy that if he puts up the production that he did as a freshman and sophomore when he was in the CCHA, he could be one of the top forwards in that league. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a guy and that get more I brought attention. him up a couple times. Yeah, more yeah. attention from scouts. And I brought him up. I brought him up a couple of times over the course of the summer and, and stuff that I've written because I, I, I sit here and go, we can't forget about him. because he didn't play last year he had a sick as a second transfer so you know we we can't forget about him because i think he's going to come in and make an impact for them and and the rest of their roster is good and they're another one another school that's invested a lot in their program they're playing at the harbor center now which is you know right across the street from where the sabers play it's great their practice facility like it's right in downtown buffalo uh at one point i think they were playing like in the the Buffalo State Fairgrounds or something was the old rink they were playing in. Uh, but when the Harbor Center opened a few years ago, they moved there. They put more money in the program. They just signed their coach with an extension. They've got some momentum, and momentum means a lot, you know, especially when it comes to recruiting. 
Yeah, interesting. Um, quick thoughts on you know, Robert Morris, Niagara, in in that respect. Like, what direction those programs are going? Uh, I think Niagara is kind of a team that, that's in that middle ground a little bit. You know, I think they, they made some moves a couple years ago. Made a little bit of a move last year, um, but they, they are kind of still stuck in that middle ground. Same with Army, same with Air Force. I think there's a possibility that they can make a jump this year, but uh, I'd be I'd be surprised, to be honest with you. I, I, yeah. I think that some of those other teams near the top have separated themselves a little bit. Robert Morris, I'm really happy that they're back. You know, yeah. the, the effort that got put into saving that program. I mean, I've said it a couple times this year. I don't care what their record is this year. They've won just because of the fact that they're back. Yeah, you know? I, I know and, some good guys that are alumni from there, and they were really, like, disappointed and freaking out that that program yeah. was going to die, and now it's come back, which is great. Yeah, short-sighted uh, move by the, I think, previous president that was there. But they were able to to galvanize an effort there and save it. And like I said, no matter what their record is this year, uh, it's it's a positive step. And it's going to take some time. Like, uh, you know, Derek Schooley built that program from scratch once before when he was hired. It was a brand-new program. It's basically doing the same thing again. You know, here he is yeah. 20 years later, 25 years later, and it's basically the same thing. You're starting from scratch. He didn't have a roster. So it might be a little bit quicker because they're able to pull guys from the transfer portal, which they weren't able to do the first time around. Right. Uh, that didn't exist back then, but it's still going to take some time. I mean, just, just as the, the same as it's going to take Augustana and St. Thomas, they're, they're starting from nothing, basically. So they're going to have to build it up. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We come back. We'll talk about the independence. Just we should just have a just just call it independent conference. It'd be great. Yes. Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right. We'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with Sports Code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at FractalHockey.com. 
outside edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on and off ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hockey Prospect Radio and Outside Edge Hockey Player Development for on and off ice training featuring KPI-based conditioning programs at outsideedge.ca. I'm with Mike McMahon just filling in and following up on our college hockey preview show. Uh, read his substack of the College Hockey Insider as well. Let's talk about the independence, Mike. So Alaska, Alaska Anchorage, Arizona State, Linwood, Long Island, and Stonehill. It would be great if we could get four more teams and just make another conference. And I think that could come. Or, I mean, the Pac-10 really needs to come together at some point, too. Uh, that'd be great. Um, that's a whole other discussion. Uh, in this <laughs> independent group, who do you think's coming out, like, really the top team? Is it really Arizona State? Because, you know, they spent a tremendous amount of money in on their facilities, you know, in their program, and they got a lot of love, some players who graduated from that program and have gone on to play pro uh, and got a lot of, inter, like, national attention, not just in the States, but in Canada. You might be surprised of how much attention Arizona State's got up here. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, look, they're, they're one of the few Power 5 schools in college hockey. Right. When you look at those yeah. power five conferences that you've got, obviously the big 10 schools, Arizona state, Boston college, really it. Right. Yeah. I mean, is, uh, that might, that might be it actually. I'd have to look, I'd have to look. there's not many though. So yeah. are you, I uh, no, not UConn. Sorry, not UConn. So that, that really is it. And they've done a really good job too of, of they finally got the arena, which is the, the, the real big next step for them. That was just, they needed that, right. They were playing in what was a, essentially a, a barn, you know, the local, local town rink before. Yeah. <laughs> so being able to get that, get the, the building done and get it built uh, has been huge. I think you've seen it play off with some of the payoff with some of the guys they were able to bring in uh, in the portal. Like they brought in Alex Young, who was a seventh round pick of San Jose, one of the top forwards at Colgate last year. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly is a, is a, a senior forward Detroit pick who they, they were able to get in obviously before that happened, but still uh, they, they should be the top team in this group of independent schools uh but you know what i i will say this i also thought that was the case last year and alaska fairbanks emerged and almost made the tournament so uh you know they 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 lost some players don't get me wrong like alaska uh they, they lost some players to, to other teams in the transfer portal but they did two years ago too and they still came in and I mean, they, they lost their goaltender out of the portal two years ago, and they still came in and, and were able to figure out a way to be competitive last year. So I don't know that Alaska is going to be able to get to that point again and, and be knocking on the door of an NCAA tournament. They might. Uh, they're going to have to win some games, but they've put together a schedule that if they win enough of the, these games, because they're all non-conference games for them, yeah. if they're competitive against some of their early season opponents, they, they, they can be. They can get in that conversation. They got swept by Denver to open the weekend. Uh, but they still have Michigan Tech this weekend. 
a team that should be, you know, an NCAA tournament team. St. Cloud State's a team that should be right in the bubble. Northern Michigan's a team that's very good. They could be there too. They're in a tournament at the end of December with Michigan Tech again, and I think they could end up playing Michigan State in the second game. They got two with North Dakota. They got they got a few with Arizona State. So like they're they're it's playing tough. a bunch of opponents that if they do well enough in those games, they're gonna they're it's all non conference games. They don't have the luxury of being in the NCHC or hockey East or the Big Ten, where they're going to play a bunch of strong schools to bump themselves up in the paralyzed. That schedule strong anyway. That's what I mean. Like they they've gone ahead and put together a strong enough schedule that it shouldn't matter. Now they've got to win games. Like they've yeah. got to be successful in those games. You lose those games, it's not going to matter. But if they can be a 500 or, or roughly 500 team, they should be right in the mix for a tournament spot. I mean, they were the last team out last year uh, of an NCAA NCAA tournament bid. And they won 22 games. But if you look at the, what they did early in the season, they split with St. Thomas. They got swept by Michigan Tech. They split with Omaha. They split with Northern. Uh, they lost twice to Penn State. They, what they really did, they lost to Notre Dame and Denver in the second half. Uh, they also beat Denver. They really beat up on teams that they, they needed to beat up on in that second half. From December on, they they only had, like, I think, three losses the rest of the year. Uh, and that's when they were playing all the other independents. They were playing Anchorage. They were playing Long Island. They were playing yeah. Lindenwood. They went in and they won all those games. So if they can go 500 against the, the the real top of their schedule, and then when they play some of the other independents, some of those bottom teams in the pairwise, go in and, and not run the table, but beat most of them the way that they did last year, they could be in that mix again. Yeah, that's uh, the whole pairwise. That's a whole other conversation we won't get into right now because that one's like. We'll talk about that in March. Yeah, yeah, because that, <laughs> seriously, that's when I call you up and go, what does this mean? Right. Like, well, like who constructed this? Because uh, I always ask those kind of the questions like this doesn't make any sense to me. It's like a random voting system. Um, thoughts about the rest of the the group of independents in Stonehill, Long Island, you know, Lindenwood, uh, about the progress that are making, trying to get their programs to a level where, you know, they can maybe bring in a couple of like jump into a conference or, you know, at some point they're going to have to build one because, you know, six teams can't remain independents for that long. Yeah. I do think that we're going to see some shake up here at some point. It just, you know, the NCH is taking in Arizona state next year. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to put them at nine Odd numbers are not ideal for, yeah. for leagues. Some, some leagues are doing it. Hockey says 11, big 10 has seven, but it's not ideal. So I, I do think we're going to see some some movement there. Uh, I, I think there's going to be some schools that maybe maybe a, a CCHA team wants to jump into the NCHC as a tenth team, and now there's an opening in the CCHA for a, a, a team like an Alaska or, right. or I, mean, I think the Alaska schools probably try to stick together, but maybe, maybe that that's a possibility where it wasn't you know three or four years ago. Same thing in Atlantic Hockey. Maybe there's some movement that allows for you know some of those teams to join. I, I personally think one thing that could happen. If you look at Atlantic hockey, it is kind of split geographically where, you know, Air Force right. is off by itself in Colorado yeah. Springs, but you've got Niagara, Mercyhurst, RIT, Robert Morris that are all kind of Western parts of that league. And then you've got Army, Bentley, Holy Cross, Sacred Heart that are all kind of Eastern AIC that are yeah. Eastern parts of that league. Could you sprinkle in a Long Island and a Stonehill and maybe a Lindenwood and now create two leagues out of one like could Atlantic hockey split into two leagues yeah. I think it's a possibility one of the things they have to figure out and one of the things that's holding it up is all the changes within the within the NCAA are throwing a, some mystery into whether or not 
the auto bid is still going to exist for, for some of right. the smaller conferences. Right. If they know that they can have an auto bid, I think it makes sense for some of these schools to jump into Atlantic hockey and then split in two conferences. Cause it's going to give them two bids instead of one realistically. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I like that idea. So we're going to take a short break on hockey, pro- uh, hockey prospect radio. We're going to talk about some players to watch next. Uh, there's some intriguing names that are draft eligible in college hockey this year. So we'll chat about that right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skilled development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hockey Prospect Radio and Outside Edge Player Development for on and off ice training featuring KPI based conditioning programs at Outside Edge. Ca. This is our last segment for our college hockey preview with Mike McMahon, the college hockey insider. Read his sub stack. He's also a columnist for the college hockey news as well. So, Mike, let's talk about some players to watch this year. What makes this group of players interesting that we're going to discuss is not very often do you have college players who are in a college university already going to be potentially top five players in the draft. And this year we're going to have it. And we're going to like, we have, you know, probably two or three guys that are going to be drafted pretty high Two specifically. We know we're going to be drafted high unless their world's cave in, which is pretty unlikely, but let's start <laughs> with Macklin Celebrini. 
at Boston University. And one of the interesting things, okay, he got his first goal. It was a nice, pretty one. So he kind of got, I like when top players get their first goal, it gets kind of off the schneid a little bit, you know, kind of like releases some tension. Okay, I got my first goal and I can just play my game. There's no pressure because so much, of, obviously all that pressure is internal. Um, thoughts on him at Boston University? I know it's a young team and they're highly talented. And I know, uh, you know, my buddy over there at Boston University, Bernie Corbett's all excited, of course, right? He's all fired up for the season. <laughs> Um, thoughts yep. on Celebrini and what his impact could be in Hockey East and Boston University, just based on, you know, what you saw last year with Chicago Steel. And of course, you know, the U you know, the U18s where he blew the roof off the building and had 15 points in seven games. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had talked to a lot of scouts last year who had said to me flat out, you know, he's the best player in the USHL right now as a 16 year old. And, and they were saying that in September. Right. <laughs> you know, it was it was pretty well established early in the year. He's the best player in the league. Yeah. And uh he, he's he's just so dynamic. And you saw it in that game against Bentley. I watched most of that game, and that game was a dogfight. Like I, I give Bentley a lot of credit because they Andy Jones is their new head coach, came from UMass Lowell, and they played exactly like UMass Lowell. They just they were beating up a younger, uh, you know, uh, not physically as strong. They put the body on him. Younger, they, yeah. Oh yeah. And that game was a dogfight. I was talking to, you mentioned Bernie. I was talking to Bernie earlier today and he's like, he said to me, he goes, I feel like I was watching Rocky one. He's like, you know, we, we came in Apollo Creed, BU comes into that building and just and swinging, his, you know, the, the Rocky Bentley Falcons keep, kept throwing blows and we had to kind of sustain it and, and almost lost. Um, but yeah, Celebrini's first goal was a, was a substantial goal in the game. It wasn't like it was the fifth goal of a five nothing win. Yeah, it was a big goal and 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 a game where things weren't really going BU's way. So he had to kind of battle his way through and had to fight his way to get to the net in that goal too. Uh, I, I I think he's going to be as impactful as a player as Adam Fantilli was last year for Michigan. As I mean, look at all these guys that have been top level picks coming out of college that have played that college year, right? Adam Fantilli um, and Jack Eichel are, are like the two that that immediately come to mind. I think he's going to have a very similar year. I mean, I, I think he's going to be a guy that comes in and has a you know, Kyle Connors, a, a very similar right. thing as well. It could, it could be a 50, 60 point guy, 30 goals as a freshman, you know, 60 points. It really wouldn't surprise me. I think he's that type of player. And I think he's, even though he's on the younger side, you know, he's, he's physically gifted and, and physically. And, and he's not, phys and, yeah. And he's not small. He's six footed. Like he's no. 190 pounds. So like, he's not like, yeah, a, like not a skinny high school kid. It. Yeah. Yeah. He's not not a kid that's coming in at 165. You know, he's I think he's physically mature enough to be able to to handle it. And he's gonna face older he's gonna face older teams almost every night playing in hockey's uh that are gonna test him. And I think it's a, gonna be a good way to to get him ready to play in the NHL pretty quickly. Uh, but yeah, I think he's gonna have a monster year. Yeah, I look at him and what I'm interested in is when he goes against the UMass Lowell's, the Mary Max of that conference. Yeah who are more grinding in terms of how they play, you know, like they'll go after him like, like Bentley did and they're going to go after the team and just keep punishing him and see how he reacts when he gets frustrated in that situation. Cause you know that like, I think a lot of people like a lot of my Canadian listeners don't realize cause they don't watch, you know, a lot of USHL is comparatively the USHL. If you put just that league, you know, minus the program or even including the program against some conferences, they're probably better and more competitive and harder to yeah. play against in that respect. So, 
you know, him coming out of like USHL and pumping up 86 points in 50 games. It's this, that's not like USHL is an excellent league in terms of look how many players get drafted out of there. Like that league has been really pumping it. So I'm curious to see what he does from that standpoint. I'm really excited to watch him play and I'll be down to BU and watch a bunch of games. And um, cause Bernie's been like poking me to come down and watch him, watch him and play as well. <laughs> Uh, I want to get your thoughts, and this doesn't happen all the time, but we got a Belarusian defenseman in Artyom Lashunov, 6'2", 200 pounds, right-handed shot, uh, came from the Green Bay Gamblers in USHL at Michigan State University, has played two games, already has two points. He had 42 points in 62 games as a rookie in Green Bay in the USHL. You know, could easily be the number three draft pick this year overall as a defenseman like it's just interesting it's a rarity not only do you get a belarusian defenseman but you get a belarusian defenseman at michigan state who's going to be you know a top five draft pick in the nhl yeah he's a player that i know that staff is really excited about and like you said he, he should already be. has two points yeah they are they already have two points and and the other thing that stands out in two games he has 15 shot attempts 15 yeah. Yeah. In two games, and thirteen of those have come in even strength. It's not like he's just you know blistering what? shots from on the power play. Yeah. Thirteen even strength shot attempts in two games uh, from a, a freshman defenseman. In the first two games he's played in college, he's going to have a. He's another one that physically is mature enough to play college hockey this year. Uh, I think for especially in that league and that the Big Ten's you know formulated a little bit differently. They, they don't have that UMass Lowell, Providence you know heavier older yeah. team. All the teams in that league kind of skew younger. Uh, I think he could have a, a real big impact this year and, and put up some big numbers for them because they're also, you know, Michigan State kind of in that rebuilding mode. They're going to rely on him. You know, they're going to rely on him. He could end up being their number defenseman. He might end up being their number one defenseman for the like yeah. in in five games. He's their number one defenseman for the rest of the year. I would not and, be shocked. And that's a really talented decor. Like Isaac yeah. Howard's a first round pick, and he's yeah. in that group. And Maxim Sturbach was a second round pick, and he's in that group. Like it's yeah. it's a really good decor. And he could be, even though he's the youngest it's one, he could Sturbach, be the best one. Yeah, Sturbach is a good D, and it's just hard to find a right handed shot who's that big, has that hockey sense and that mobility, like in that package. And no, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I caught him in the one game and he looked like he had, he was a, like not a sophomore, not a junior. He looked like a senior. This is like, yeah, almost like, like casually controlling the game. And I'm like, oh no, oh, watch this kid. Like he, it, not very often do you get to watch players like emerge like that as freshmen. It's really quite, I mean, we were, obviously blessed last year to watch Fentilli just basically come in and like take his team by the scruff of the neck and just smack people around through that conference. He just destroyed <laughs> teams on his own Very in some good. cases, but you know, this is where you get to see it from a defensive standpoint. Like that's really especially great. As, yeah. And especially as a right shot. I mean, it just, yeah. For whatever reason, every team wants right shot defense, but you can't find them. Right. Like yeah. uh, my, my young, my youngest son's younger, but he's a right shot defenseman. And I, I've taken him some games and, you know, we'll go downstairs and I'm doing interviews after the game. And a lot of the coaches, you know, they will go up and say hello and introduce themselves. And what position do you play? Oh, I'm a D. And what, what do you, are you a lefty or righty? Oh, I'm a righty. And they all say like, Oh, come and play shot, for me. Being a right shot defenseman. You're going to have plenty of opportunities. If you're a right shot. Def- 
defenseman. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the, just the, the cherry on top. Is he's a right shot. It's just those those guys are so hard to find. They're like unicorns. Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess the last D-man obviously would have been Sanderson. That really sort of like mm-hmm. in the last couple of years kind of went, whoa, like he's going to go high. Like, you know, and I think Artem is, is similar in that now. Obviously, they're not exactly the same players and nobody skates like Sanderson except maybe his dad. Um, so that he's a <laughs> unicorn in that perspective. But, you know, talk about like you've been covering college hockey for so long. How many times have you seen a freshman with all that skill set that, you know, is projected to be a top five player in the draft like it's hard for me to even think about that off the top of my head i'd have to go scan through databases to like as a d like other than like really other than sanderson i just don't remember a college hockey defenseman as a freshman that's going to be a top five pick probably mccarr yeah yeah but and but i don't know i mean you know Probably McCarr, but but I think he was drafted, I think, before his freshman year, wasn't he? Yeah, he was drafted out, out of um, Alberta Junior Hockey League. Yeah, so he, he came in as a, whatever drafted. he was, eighth overall? Fourth overall? Uh, eighth four. Overall, whatever he, he was, was four, yeah. So, but he, he came in that way. So the last guy that played his draft year as a college defenseman and was a top five, I mean, I, I agree with you. I have to go back and look. I, I can't even think of one off the top of my head. No, if, if for whatever reason it feels like most, it just of the came up to me that it just popped in my head. Yeah. Like I don't remember the last time that happened. Yeah, it feels like you know a lot of the college defensemen that emerge and end up going to the NHL are either drafted, um, or either drafted when they come in, or they're mid to late round picks who emerge in college and end up being NHL defensemen. You know what? Uh, was Keandre? I think Keandre Miller played his draft year at Wisconsin, right. but he wasn't a top five pick. I think are he was like, what, sure? eleven or twelve. Wasn't he drafted out of the program? No, no, nah, nah, he was drafted out of the program. Because I remember talking was to him. He? Yeah, man, he was so athletic. Yeah, he was drafted by the Rangers. Oh, yeah. Right? He so, was drafted by the Rangers, and I thought I thought he was drafted. Let's see. He was drafted in 2018. And he was and... like 23rd or 22nd. And I'm going off yeah, the top of right. my head. Yeah. Yep, yep. He was I, uh, honestly, 22nd. I, you're right on. I know I'm going to have <laughs> listeners screaming right at me. It was this guy. It's this guy. You guys are a bunch of morons. How do you oh, I know. remember that? But that's okay. They'll, you know, they'll from tweet that. us. They'll tweet us and tell us, how did you forget so-and-so? But <laughs> uh, Because I've watched too many prospects and it gets all mashed together after 20. This will be my 25th, <laughs> yeah. 25th NHL draft I've covered. So you got to like, you know, cut me a little slack from that standpoint. But yeah. Mike, want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I uh, really appreciate the insight and uh, we'll certainly talk uh, throughout the season. Yeah, sounds good. I appreciate you having me anytime. Uh, it'll, it should be fun. Season got started this week, but it should be a good one. Absolutely. So this has been another episode of Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio, powered by Instat Hockey, and as well as Huddle Analysis, Junior Prospect Hockey League, Fractal Hockey Consulting, Outside Edge Player Development, you can listen to this show on your favorite podcast network or YouTube and follow us on Twitter at HB Radio, HockeyProspectRadio.com. Thank you to Mike, our guest, and we will see you at the rink. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. 
Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.